We are going to be resuming. Okay. So we were going. To, we were discussing the idea of garments, right? And the idea being that even though the Torah and mitzvahs are considered merely garments of the soul, what does it imply that they're garments? That they are lower than the soul or higher than the soul? I want to do it one step at a time. If the Torah mitzvahs are called garments of the soul, that would imply they are lower than the soul or higher than the soul? Lower. Lower. Although they are called nevertheless, they are higher, right? So they're lower in one sense, but higher in another sense. Okay, why are they high? Why are they, why are the term says higher than the soul? Because God is Torah God is Torah one, which by implication means that God and the soul are not one. Not one. Right? Because if they would both be one, then that would not explain why the term says are higher than the soul. Right? Okay. So to know that, we erased the board. Right? Very to do, erase the board. And we moved on to talking about another concept, which was the idea of garments in contrast with what? Vessels. Vessels. Right. And the idea is that you can, there's something called light, and light can go into vessels, or light can go into garments. And there is an advantage to one, and there's an advantage to the other. Okay, so let's review. What is, the, what is light, if we think about light functionally in human experience, what, is, what is role does light play? Revelation. Revelation, right? And revelation meaning the light does not enhance the observer, the person, right? It's not that the person, God forbid, is missing something in their eyes or their visual cortex, nor does the light add anything to what is observed, right? It doesn't, like if you're in a room and you're seeing a table, the light does not add anything to the table. But the absence of the light means that it, even though you and the table are in a room together and you're looking at the table, you can't see the table. So the, ta- the light is turning in direction, but it doesn't actually change anything. Okay? So then what would God's light be? Is God's light God? No. 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 What is it? It's not part of God. It's allowing us to see God. It's something that when it's present, it allows us to see God. And when it's not present, we can't see God. Now, if I don't see a table, what are the three possible reasons why I might not be seeing a table? I'm blind, God forbid. There's no light. Or there's no table, right? Now, in the analog with God, is it ever possible that God is not present? No. So, so that's always, God is always here. So if I'm not seeing him, that could be for one of two reasons. What are the two reasons? I'm blind. I'm blind or there's no light. Yeah. Okay. But I want to be I want to be technical about it so that we right. So now, if I do a mitzvah that brings God's light into the world, yes, I spoke about that. Okay. So if I do a mitzvah that she right, do I see God? No. Why not? Yeah. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the spiritual equivalent of a blind person, right? But if I were, say, um, the Arizal, Moshe Rabbeinu, Rabbi Shem Chai, the Baal Shem Tov, the Rebbe, would I see it? Yeah. Yes. Good? Yeah. Okay. On the other hand, right, if I'm one of those holy people, does that mean I'm always seeing God? 
No, because the light is not always present. Good? Okay. So I want to just flesh out a little point about this, and then we'll go forward. Um, it says about Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai two very weird things. One, for him, the base of English was never destroyed. And two, the halachas usually not like him. Did you know that the halachas usually not like Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai? Does not like him or doesn't like him? It does not, yeah. It doesn't follow his view. If you literally translate the, the Gemara, with the Halacha is not like Kirabish and Barachat. It's generally like the people who disagree with him. Now, <coughs> not to that extreme. Not to that extreme, but yeah. Okay. So, this is a hat. Yeah? How do you know? You can see it. Okay. So now, when they would ask Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai a halacha question, he would say, well, that's permitted. And we say, well, how do you know? He said, well, you can just see that it's permitted. Because, you know, it's God's light. And the other sages of the mission are like, um, um, Shimon, our buddy, pal, um, we need some kind of like logical argument to convince us that that is the correct halachic view. And um, we said, well, I mean, just, just look at it. Now, if I were to ask you to prove to me that this is a hat, I think we would all become very frustrated very quickly, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. You know who's very good at figuring out that something is a hat without just saying, well, look, look at it, it's a hat? Who's really good at figuring out that something's a hat? Without seeing it. Without saying, oh, it's a hat. A blind person, right? Blind people, like, they, like the blind Lubavitcher rabbi, he's like, well, Yep, that's a hat. I'm pretty sure that that's a hat. Feels like a hat. That's a hat. And he puts it on like, yep. Right? Unless he's, right? And that's why we have these little things here for the blind people to know which way to put it on forward. No, I'm kidding. That's not the that reason. Right? What? No. Um, so, right? Like, God forbid, if you're in the room and it's dark, right? You slowly feel around. And you're like, okay, maybe this is a window. No, no, no. There's the plasticky. That's not. Oh, that's the little aquarium that the coffin's in, right? You slowly figure stuff out, right? So, like us of us who the light, we can't see the light. We use our intellect kind of figure stuff out, right? And we can convince each other. But if if one person is, sees and everyone else is blind, the person sees, well, that's the door. It's over there. Like, how do you know? It's like, because it's over there. There was a blind person once who said one of the things that he finds really strange is that people can tell, people who can see, can tell things from a distance. The person's blind from birth. So, like, you can look outside, and if it's really, you can look, and if it's really hot, you can tell that it's hot out. Mm-hmm. Right? How do you can tell it's hot out? A little waviness in the air, right? He's like, that's just why. Like, like it just seems like magic to him because he can't see. So, Rabbi Shimbayachai, like, he had this great insight into into halacha, but it was only available to him because it was something that he saw. For him, he wasn't blind; he saw the godly light. Okay. Now, what does it mean that for him the base of was never destroyed? Why do we need a base of What does the base of do? Well, it was our Okay, well, one thing that it says in the base of Migdash that we would do, um, men have an obligation to come to the base of Migdash and, you know, to be seen by God and to see God. That's what it says. Yeah. We say it in our Musa. 
Yeah. In the, in, the, in the Musa prayers, we say that we don't have a temple, so we can't ascend and see God, and therefore we can't bow down, because you can't bow down when you don't see. Well, Rabbi Shimber Yechai, even without a base of English, could he see God? So then for him, that's right. Okay. So this idea that there's a light, and that if, you are, if the light is present and you can see, then God is there in an experiential way, okay, that's, it's very important that we have that clear. We differentiate between the light because God is revealed versus us having the sensitivity to see it. Okay. They don't depend on each other. Good? Okay. Then we spoke about the idea of the vessels. And what is a vessel? A vessel is something that the light, when it is in the vessel, what happens to the light? It becomes mixed with the vessel. I, I, I wouldn't, I can see why you might use the word distorted, but we're going to, we're, we're going to, the, the technical term, by the way, is colored. Because physically speaking, the way this would work, if you were talking about like physical sunlight or physical any light, is you put glass of different colors, and then what happens? Right, so again, the analogy is if I look at the table, right, I see the table as is, right? But if the light is red, right, then what happens? I see the table shaded red, right? There's color to it. Okay. What would be, so now I gave you a different analogy, which is a little bit more, um, de- it's, a, it's, a, it's a little deeper, but it, it, there's a disadvantage that it's um, more subtle. What is the light of a person? So you have a person. No, I'm talking purely on a human experiential level, right? No. Well, it depends what you mean by alive. Do you mean like their heart is pumping and they're not, don't need to be buried in the ground alive? Or do you mean like, they're alive! Which kind of alive? No, it's the second. Right? Right? Because again, think about it. If there's a person who's physically alive, but they're not alive, then you don't really feel like they're there. Right? Yeah. So even it's like they're being in a room and the lights are off, right? The table's there. I'm sensitive, right? But they're not present. But they're not present, right? Wow. Right? Yeah. And so that that sense of what's called Yiddish Lebedekite, um, vitality, right, enthusiasm, energy, right? Um, when that comes out, we, we call it, you know, in very, very passionate forms, we call it joy, right? All these different, but that's the light of the person. Now, if that's not there, the person is still there, but you just don't get the sense that there's a person there. It's like, I mean, you intellectually understand there's a body, it's like moving around, there's probably a person inside, right? But you don't feel like there's a person there, right? Have you ever been at a Shabbos table and you can tell that the couple is having problems? Yeah? Okay. The couple's having problems. Okay, how can you tell? Do they have to fight? No. Yeah, it's just like, or even if they do speak, but everything, every interaction between them is very, it's very tense, there's a formality, right? There's not that, that sense of life, that sense of presence, right? It's like somehow if they're physically in proximity to each other, then somehow the light goes dim, right? So that kind of tells you, right? It's sad. Okay. Okay. Yeah. In fact, what is it that we like about people? If we just boil it down, is that when I'm close to them, what happens to my light? It shines more. I feel more present when I'm close to certain people. Right. 
that's basically right. You know, and there's levels of that. Okay, now, but here's the thing: that life it comes out in contexts and roles, right? So, for instance, I'm gonna use myself as an example, right? When I start teaching Tanya, I become very animated. Why? Right. So what ends up happening is that the tanya, the teaching of the Tanya becomes a vessel through which my light is seen. But now that gives you a certain sense of me. Right? Yeah. Are there other other but but that isn't but it really isn't fair to define me that way. It's not cool. Right. So but the way Hasidus would think about it is that it's not even a facet, it's a coloring. Because what you could do is you could theoretically strip away that thing and the underlying light that reveals the, 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 the person inside doesn't change because of that. Okay? Um, so, I gave this little um, Venn diagram, which I'm going to put it back on the board, because I want, this, I want to spend some time on this because it's a very important idea. Okay? And we're going to talk about... Um, we're going to talk... I'm going to first do it with a person, okay? And then we're going to do it back with God. Okay? So right here we're going to have the person's light. Okay? Why are we talking about the light and not the person? Because the person is the person regardless of whether the light is being viewed, right? Whether it's sense of presence and life and enthusiasm and all that stuff is coming out or not. In other words, whether or not you can sense the humanity in the person next to you or not, the humanity is always there. Right? But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the fact that it's revealed. So we're talking about that person's light. Okay, now let's take some, let's take some things, okay? Um, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do a few things, okay? First thing we're going to do is, we're going to do love. We're going to do fear. Do kindness. Okay. Judgment. I'm going to do two more. Okay. Values and ideas. Okay. Now, would you say that something that differentiates one person from another would be what they value? Yeah. That differentiates people? I think so. Yeah. Um, what they love? Yeah. Who they show kindness to and how they show yeah. kindness? Yeah. yeah. What they're judgmental of? Mm-hmm. And by, by the way, ju- ju- judgmental, I want to very clear. I'm going to explain. Okay. <laughs> Jud- judgments are, are basically where you draw a line and you stick to it. So there are things that we value, but we don't always have to the judgments. For instance, okay, the fact that I stand and face a wall and go like this three times a day is because I value the idea of talking to God. 
Does that always mean I remove my extraneous thoughts from my mind in order to focus on my Shmona Esrei? No. no. That would be an act of judgment, right? Where you draw lines like, this is okay, this is not okay. okay? Judgment is good, and certain kinds of bad, and other but that's what we mean, we make a judgment call. Like, yes, no, right, wrong. But it actually is implemented. Like kindness is something you actually do. Okay? Fear, right? What differentiates people is also what one person is afraid of, another person is afraid of, yeah? And then there are ideas. Ideas are things that make sense to us. They seem correct, they seem true. They don't necessarily be the same as values. Values don't always have to make sense, and ideas don't always have to be things that we actually, um, um, right, they're not understanding the form of right and wrong. So, um, for instance, a person might understand multivariable calculus very, very clearly, right? That doesn't mean they have a high value for mathematics. Vice versa, you could have a high value for mathematics and be very confused and not make sense of, you know, even algebra. Right, those are, okay, good? Yeah. Okay. So now, a person walks down the street, and let's not overcomplicate it, because if we overcomplicate, we're gonna miss we're gonna we're gonna miss the underlying idea, right? So let's simplify the human experience. Okay? Person walks down the street, right? And we're gonna start here. Judgment and kindness. A person walks down the street and they see somebody who's poor, they reach in their pocket, they give the person a dollar. They just gave an did an act of kindness, right? Someone else walks by the street and gives that same walks to see that person and doesn't give them a dollar. Right? Let's assume that the person is not a cruel and vindictive person. So why did they give them a dollar? Judgment what? They made a judgment call. What was the judgment call? That the person's not going to spend the dollar. Okay, fine, good. Make sense? Okay. Is real life more complicated than that? Maybe. Could be, but we're going to oversimplify it, right? Maybe what? Maybe right, but then it wouldn't be then then it wouldn't be helpful about analyzing the person. That's the kind of thing, like, like, keep all the factors such that we can focus on what we need to focus on. Okay, now, is there a difference between a person walking by, seeing the person, handing a, and, and handing the dollar, versus a person walking by and giving the dollar and you can see that they're genuinely interested, they genuinely care. The dollar is, the, 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 the person seems to come alive in the act of giving that dollar to the poor person. Is there a difference between those two things? Yeah. Yeah, right, okay. So what we say is like here, there can be the act of kindness, and we're okay, we know the person obviously has kindness as evidenced by the fact they did a kind act, right? Mm -hmm. But the person wasn't revealed in that act. We attribute the act to the person but notice that's the part that's outside, that the person's life isn't there. That's not a vessel, right? So if I walk down the street, I hand a dollar to somebody, I walk on, you don't see any change in who I am, There's no, I don't come out in any way. So that, that act is not a vessel for my soul in any way, They're not a vessel for my light. On the other hand, when I give that dollar and I come alive and that, that life is seen, right? And there's that human connection through that, right? Then that act is that's that middle part here, right? That's the light in the vessel. Good? And now when we see that, that's what makes us think the person is a kind person. If you see me give me a dollar to somebody coldly, not give me coldly, just, just I do it. You're not like, oh, Rabbi Kaufman is a kind person. You're like, okay, he didn't act kind act. I mean, I don't know, maybe he was like, whatever. He has his reasons. 
But if I come alive, right, my light shines through the act, like, ah, the coffin is kind. I saw him through the lens of kindness. I saw him shaded, colored by kindness. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Now we can do the same thing with the person, right? There's a person, right? They don't give a dollar. Like, oh, they don't give a dollar. But then there's you, no, no, no. You see, they stopped. And, like, you can see that they weighed this very heavily. There's, like, helping a person out, which is a very important issue. And on the other hand, there's enabling a person to do drugs. And they weigh, and you can see that they're, how much the person went into not giving them a dollar. Because it, it really matters to make the right judgment call, right? Like, wow, this person is a you know, great judgment, very principled person. Person has, you know, takes things very seriously, right? Okay? And that's again this middle space. Now you notice that we find it confusing when we're used to seeing a person this way and all of a sudden we see them that way. Yeah. We're used to seeing a person just come alive with helping and sharing and all of a sudden. Not that they didn't. If they did, okay, we understand things happen, but not that they didn't. But they seem to be like the opposite. Right? In literature, we call this a three dimensional character, right? But they're not just always the same, right? We find it confusing because also we realize that there's, the person is in fact not just kind, versus not just judgment, right? Now there's different views of how to make sense of that. But what Chassidus would say is that the person is actually not judgmental or kind. The person is something else entirely. And that kindness and judgment are just simply lenses, they're colorings on how that light of the person is seen. Can you ever just see the person's light? We're going to talk about that. Okay? Okay. What about love and fear? Okay. What would be something that is an act of love? Love as opposed to kindness. I know this is trickier. A hug. A hug, right? Okay. Now, here it gets a little bit weirder because, like, uh, if you don't feel a person's light through it, it becomes much harder to sense that there's any love going on. Yeah. Right. right. So what we see here, and this is what I want to modify here, is that some of these Venn diagrams can't really exist outside the person's light, like love. You can't do an act of love and not have your light come through. Because if your light isn't coming through, that's not an act of love at all. And the same thing is fear. Right? If I'm trying to come close to somebody, right, and there's no sense of my being alive coming through my coming close to you, then, then like, no, you're not actually coming close to me, right? That's why, that's why hugs, compliments, all of these types of things, when they're done because it's the right thing to do, they never work. Right. As opposed to kindness and judgment have this element where they can exist kind of just as something you do. Okay? And the same thing, fear. Like, if a person, like, doesn't do something, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're afraid. It's just they made a decision that that's not in my interest, right? Fear, it's like, you feel it, right? So love and fear are entirely internal, right? Kindness and judgment have both elements, right? Make sense? Okay. What about ideas and values? Okay. Are there people that are very good? Let's, I'm going to use math as the example you take it. Are there people that are very good at math? Yes. Does that necessarily mean they're enthusiastic about math, that when they start talking about math, their eyes light up, they come alive? No. no. But then there are people that are like that, right? Right. So again, we have this difference between 
whether the ideas are a vessel that reveals who you are. Yeah. Right? Now, what happens if you know somebody that every time they start talking about ideas, or a specific set of ideas or ideas in general, their eyes light up, they become passionate and alive. You start thinking of them as an intellectual. Right? They're a person, like, that, you start thinking who they are. The same way we did with the kind, or the same way we did with the judgmental. Right? Okay. But if they're just like really good at the idea of doing the ideas, doing the math or whatever it is, we just think of them as smart. Right? There's a difference there. So for instance, I have a brother who's very smart and he's not an intellectual. In contrast with me, who's clearly an intellectual, right? Okay. Um, one time my brother and I were sitting in the car um, and it was, we were um, driving and there was snow, Minnesota. And we were talking about what to do when the car starts um, skidding on the ice and fishtailing. So I was speaking the language of physics, and he was speaking the language of driving. And so he's talking about turning the wheel and the brakes, and I was talking about things like um, uh, momentum, conservation of momentum, and friction, and oh angular momentum. And um, my father found this very funny, <laughs> that we both understood each other, but not each of us were speaking in our own world. Um, so, and it's not that, again, he understood everything I was saying, but, and so he said, some people, they come alive that way, right? So ideas can just be something you can do, right, in a way you can do kindness, or ideas can be a lens, a vessel where there's a light, where the revelation of the person comes through. Good? Yes. Okay, what about values? This one's tricky. Are values, do you know values entirely inside, or values have that dual quality to them? They definitely have that dual quality, right? Yeah. Right? Think about all the things that we do out of principle. Because right? it's right. Anytime you do something because it's right, where is that? But it's over here. Yeah. Then there are things that you don't do because you're right, you do them because, there's a nice Hebrew word, they're what's called in Hebrew, nogeya, which means literally they touch you. I guess in English they could say you care. Right? So there's values where you recognize it's the right thing to do. Sometimes you're able to live up to that, sometimes you're not, right? But it's, you know, it's a matter of principle. And then there's things where you care, right? And, and so what defines an Orthodox Jew? Values outside, I mean, like, according to a lot of people just that, obey their parts. What defines an Orthodox Jew they care? is over here. What defines a person as an Orthodox Jew is keeping the Shulchan Aruch is over here. Does that mean they genuinely, genuinely care deep down inside? No. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. Mm -hmm. But do they have recognize that that's right and that's the way it ought to be and the principal should do it, right? Do they always live up to it? No. No, right? That, those, that, yeah, but if, if Shulchan Aruch goes here, then you're an Orthodox Jew. I mean, it could also go here, but... It, right. In contrast, right, there are many people who might be doing a mitzvah, but like, you ask them, like, do you, do you really think that like, as a value, people are act, Jews are actually required to observe the code of Jewish law? Like, I had a friend in high school. He, was, he kept kosher and he kept Shabbos, but he didn't think God really gave the Torah. And he's like, he had his own reasons for why he thought these were good things to do. Not orthodox. But what do you think Hasid is following there? A chassid, what makes a chassid, this is something we've about, what makes a chassid, all the things in life. Yeah, a chassid has to be alive. Right? This is why we say that chassidus is the light and life of the soul. Right? And so if I'm not 
if, if, if there isn't an, ex, an expression of, of, of me and my humanity and my vitality coming through my values, my understanding, my love, my fear, my kindness, and my judgment, in terms of how all, all those things relate back to Hashem and Torah mitzvahs, then I'm not such a chassid. To be fair, chassid is someone who works on those things, not who is master. But that's what, that would be, you know. Good? Okay. All right. So now what happens if I um, change this? And we call it God's light. So now we can do the same thing. If I have food to eat, clothes to wear, shelter to live in, where did that come from? God, right? We're going to talk from the perspective of a devout, believing Jew, right? So where does that go on my little diagram here? That's right here, right? God has given me things I need, so God has been kind to me, right? Right? That's very different than someone who experiences the actual being of God present at the very moment through that lens of kindness, right? Again, like the person, there's a very big difference between I gave the poor person a dollar, right? Or when I gave the poor person a dollar, I came alive. And so it was a sense of my being and my humanity, my presence that came through that, right? I don't now, understand that one with the chef. I need a lot. What would be the difference? What would be the difference? You know there are people who ask the question whether um, Hashem is cruel? Yeah? Okay. What kind of person asks that question? Well, I mean, first off, they have to take Hashem somewhat seriously, right? Otherwise, it's not. I'm asking this as a genuine, real question, not as just like a. Like, okay, nice. I don't know it's like But, like, like, it's an actual question by them. Not, I have something I can bring up that we can use as a defense mechanism against no, religion. No, I mean, genuinely, like, why? Right. So, so, like, God is obviously, they believe in God, God is real. Mm -hmm. They really believe God did it, and there's some, like, suffering in the world, so the suffering is attributed to God, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Make sense? Yeah. Okay. If you know somebody and you know that they're a kind person, how would you know again? How would you know they're a kind person? Not because they do a lot of kind things, but because? You feel right when they do kindness. You feel how they come. They come alive. They come out right. And then when they're not being kind, like they're just. I mean, they might have reasons for doing those things, but it's very technical. It's very dry, right? Like that. You feel that. You feel right. You feel the 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 person come through in the kindness. You don't. And if they're doing something which isn't kind, they're doing it more just in a very you know matter of fact kind of way. For instance. For instance. Yeah. Okay. If a surgeon is cutting someone open with a knife, right? They're like, yeah, and another slice, and another slice. Like, it's not what's happening, right? We like, don't want any, right? Right? Yeah. That's, not, that's not what's happening, right? Hopefully. We would imagine, right? Right? We would imagine, right, that the surgeon, the surgeon, right, again, in the ideal, right, the surgeon comes alive and, like, helping people, and, like, okay, like, when it comes to cutting, there's, like, a recognition that I might need to cut in order to help the person, but, like, they're not that cutting someone open isn't something that like, there's a window into their soul, right? Okay, right? Okay, so here's the thing. What if every time someone had food to eat, someone had a place to sleep, someone had 
another human being that cared about them. You actually felt, you actually sensed God's presence coming through that. And every time someone was suffering, you didn't feel God's presence. So then in your mind, experientially, who is God? God is kind. And for some reason that I don't understand, sometimes God does things which aren't kind, but that's clearly not who he is, right? Now this is our experience, generally, if like we grew up in a somewhat normal home, of our parents, right? Is that our parents generally interact with small children, right? right. All, the, all, of the, like, all of the harsh stuff is I like they've totally lost their temper, which I want to keep as a separate category because that doesn't exist by God. Or, right, and children also know to like separate that out that when they know their parents have lost it. And that's an excuse to lose it. I'm just saying parent, children, children know not to reincorporate that, in it, right? And they know what their parents, like what they seem to enjoy, what their slaves come alive to, and what they're doing is merely technical, right? This is why, this is why parents, this is why little children still rush to their parents to like save them from homework, even the parents are making them do the homework. Because they have an experiential sense of my parent as someone who cares, someone who's kind, right? So now, if you experience this in your life, right? God's light coming through the kindness, you don't have the question as maybe God is cruel, maybe God is mean. Because you know God personally. You and you, you right? But you still know him through that vessel. But you know him through that vessel, right? But when God does when God does suffering, Suffering is always out here. So it's something God does. It never is a vessel that reflects who he is. So your sense of God is God is kind. Sometimes he does things that cause suffering because, I don't know, there must be some reason he has to do it. I don't know. And I'm not God. I can't figure out why. But in other words, there's a... You want me to give you this? I was trying to avoid this example. This example will be a little bit clearer. Okay? If you read a news article that someone was a child molester, yeah. do you have a hard time thinking of them as an evil person? No. No. Okay. Now, what if you find out that your really wonderful, friendly uncle is a child molester? Now, do you have a hard time? No. Why? No. <laughs> no. No? No. Well, then you're not, you're not a normal human being. People go through state. People go through stages of denialness, and the reason for that generally is because it's very hard to reconcile that behavior with the way you person the person you know. Well, that's what you end up coming to. One second. That's what you end up coming to conclusion to only if the evidence is overwhelming enough, and you're predisposed to that. That, that, that is a combination of overwhelming evidence and, and cultural bias. Like if you in a culture, way different ways of thinking about people, then you don't. Okay, and also if the evidence is is not so strong, there's other ways of thinking about it, then you'll tend to rationalize it away. That's just how normal human beings work. So a person who experiences God's light through the kindness, they have a personal knowledge of God, like you know somebody, as a kind being. And therefore, even though they know God does cruel things, what they're left with is not maybe God is cruel, but if you know somebody is kind, and let's say it's the point where you're not like, right, and yet they're doing something which doesn't appear to be kind, what is the normal human instinct to do? To try and think about how is this really ultimately from their person perspective kind? Like what are they trying to really do? Because you know them as a kind person, personally. So you would try and think of it that way. Not, not intentionally, not, autom not, not 
not you're doing it as a as 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 a as a, as a, nat as, as, a as an intended act, but that's just the natural way people relate to people. So if you actually were to feel, be see God through kindness, you could never have the question is God is cruel. You would have a different question, which is what Moshe Rabbeinu's question was. Anyone know what Moshe Rabbeinu's question was? Uh, Why are you doing evil? It's a, it's a different question. Not maybe God is cruel, but I know God isn't cruel, so then if I know he isn't cruel, why is he doing things that seem suffering, right? That seem to cause suffering, right? That, that, that. Well, it does cause suffering. The question is why. Right, okay. That cause suffering that seem to be negative, that seem to be bad, like, right? right? So there's a very big difference between reconciling, trying to reconcile the behavior with the person I know versus using, versus not being sure who the person really is. And that comes about when you don't see the person come alive. So the same thing with God. And, and this is, so a person who actually has a, a, has a, is sensitive and the kindness is, is, is a vessel for God's light, then they start to have a sense of God personally as a kind being that they know firsthand. And so then when somebody is suffering, when somebody's child is dying, right, their question is not, Maybe God is cruel, maybe God is vindictive, maybe God is uncaring. Their question is, why is God doing this if God is so kind? To which they may or may not have an answer. That's not my point. But it's a different question. Okay? The, 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 way, the questions that bother us about other people very much depend on who, who, how much we know them and how we know them. God being cruel. Is it that God's light is going through the vessel of cruelty? There is no vessel of cruelty. Not, or is, we're just perceiving it that way. So there is something, it's just down over here. Is it like objectively cruel or is it purely our perception? So if we want to do it more accurately, God actually doesn't even do things that are cruel. God does things which are judgmental. Mm-hmm. And then judgmental things as you move out of God's perspective, becomes seen as us, as cruel things. Could it possibly go, I don't know, like a similar way to kindness, that it's like, it's cruel in its effect to like an individual, but on like a grander scale, it was done for kindness? Or for mm, not according to Kabbalah, because according to Kabbalah, God relates to each person as an individual. Okay. So no, in Kabbalah, it's very clear about this, that what... What, that cruelty is something that does happen in the world, but cruelty is something that happens as a result of God's judgment, and that's like too many layers disconnected. So there's no way, if you are seeing an act as a cruel, you're not seeing God's light through it. Cruel, right? So what could happen is like you know the cruelty comes about because of God's judgment, and ultimately there's God's judgment, and you're trying to figure out God, like why, where's that? By the way, if you want to know what Moshe Rabbeinu's question was, is that there's a general principle about God's judgment, which is that, is the judgment harsher in the beginning or in the end? In, as in in this world or the next? No, it's like, like if you've done something wrong and you deserve to be punished. Yeah. Is, and the punishment has a duration. If the, or, or, in the end. In the end it gets harsher? Which should get harsher in the beginning. It'd be hard, right? Think about it, right? Like you, you get punished, and then you're learning lessons. So, okay, you, you know, that's generally like, yeah. Okay, the exile in Egypt. What order did it work in? Was harder in the beginning or harder in the end? 
So that's what confused Moshe. That's, that don't make sense, doesn't it? Like if, you're, if this is just an act of judgment, and judgment brings to suffering, like, fine. But that's not what's holding on here, and so Moshe got very confused. Discussion for another time. Okay. So, does God ever say no? Yeah. You want something God says no? Yeah. yeah. That's an act of judgment, right? And can you recognize that God is probably right and God is probably fair and probably God knows what he's doing, right? Yeah, you could. Is that the same thing as feeling God's presence through the judgment? No. No. Right? Yeah. Right? And this is important because here's the thing. I mentioned this in my example about the person. Judgment has a strong connection to values, right? If you're feeling someone making a judgment call, like you can actually feel them making a judgment call, then what do you have a sense of? That they have some strong values. They care, they really care about something, right? So I can, like, I want something to happen. I want, I don't know, I want money. I want health, whatever it is. And God says no, okay? And, like, I can recognize that God knows what he's doing. He's smarter, and I can accept and think, um, accept God's judgment. But that's very different than feeling that God has these very deep values. And his saying no comes from that. And that I feel his presence in that. That's a very different kind of a thing. Right? Love and fear. Does God have love and fear? I mean, yeah. God, why not? Why would God have God? Why would God have fear? God can't fear. Why not? Well, if I love God, what am I afraid of? I'm afraid, I'm afraid of I'm afraid of separating from God, right? So if God loves me, what is He afraid of? But 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 this is the thing, is that love and fear are also just vessels, right? This is all vessels. And we can go the same thing, right? I can study Torah, right? But when I'm studying Torah, do I feel like I'm studying ideas and I know they came from God? Or do I feel like God's coming alive in my mind? It's very different, right? I can know what the values are of God, right? It's a feeling how much God cares about those things, right? But here's the important thing, right? God, all of those things are different lenses or different colorings on God's light, right? Are any of those seeing God for what God is in and of himself? No. No. Going back to a person, right? Anytime, anytime you're seeing a person come alive in something, you're just seeing, right? Okay. So, I'm going to give you an analogy, okay? Have you ever heard a joke? A really good joke? What? Like the kind of joke that was so good you couldn't stop laughing even if you tried? Yeah, all the time. Okay. You know what that is? That's the person's light coming out without any... The person working, I think? The joke. Not the joke. No? Not the joke. That kind of... Um, positive energy that comes out and uh, like you can't stop laughing because it's just so funny like it's, it doesn't even make sense why it's so funny mm -hmm. yeah 
It's like, at that point, what's coming out? Your values? Your personality? You're just, you're, your whole being of a life just kind of pours out unfiltered, uncolored. Some people really don't have that What? Some people really don't have that Now, sometimes it comes, now to be fair, sometimes it doesn't come out as, as rolling laughter. Sometimes it comes out just the face of the person is beaming. Right? Like sometimes, um, like you sometimes see like a, a grandparent at the, you know, at the bris or the wedding of the first grandchild or something, like the face is just like, just like, there's just like this aura about them, right? So there's these things where it, there's, there's nothing to point to. They're not being kind. There's not a, it's just like, there's, there's this richness and depth of what it is to a person just like flooding out of them. And that's not love, and that's not ideas, and that's not doing anything. It's not, a, it's, not it's just, it's just, it is. Just flooding out. And so sometimes, God doesn't reveal his light in a, through a particular lens, a particular vessel. Sometimes he just reveals the light as it is. As it is. He's just like, here I am. This is what it is to be God. I'm me. What? I will tell you. <coughs> when you do a mitzvah. There is no filter. There is no vessel. Now, there's some fine print that we need to talk about, but basically that's the case. What does a vessel do? As much as it reveals, it also gives shape, it gives color, it gives texture, and in that it limits, it defines, right? And right, we think we know people because we see them come alive in this area and not in that area, and so we start to have a more limited sense of who they are. We think we can put them in a box. We know, oh, that's an intellectual, or they're a really kind person, right? But the truth is, if you go deep enough, none of those things are true. If you go deep down, there's just this powerful energy of being alive. That that's the truth of the person. And the same thing with God. So, God could just reveal his light as it is. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to erase this now. Okay? Let me ask you a question. <laughs> and we use the analogy of a joke. Okay? What makes a joke funny? Humor. Okay, so what you say makes a joke funny is that it make is that it resonates to a person as being funny. Thank you. What is it about a joke <laughs> that makes it funny? find like relatable things to be funny. What makes, you're just telling me that some people have to find certain things funny. What properties, if I want to construct a joke, what does it need to have? Well, I was going to have something that was like that element of surprise, some kind of unexpected thing that like, like throws you off so that you can have that reaction. Yeah, it has to have something that throws you off. Yeah, okay, we can get more technical, but it has to have something that throws you off. Now, have you ever heard a really funny joke the second time? And by the third time? And by the twentieth time? Unless, unless you tell it to somebody who's never heard it before, right? Then you can kind of have like a vicarious humor through them, right? Okay. Now, I want you to, now. 
So what I want you to think about is like this, is that the joke, the joke is more like a trigger, more like a catalyst. It's not, it does, it's not really, in other words, a good way of thinking about it is that a joke in a certain sense isn't really funny. It's not intrinsically funny. And the way you can see that is because like, the joke stops being funny because it wasn't, there's nothing funny in the joke. It's like pizza doesn't stop tasting like pizza, right? You eat the second slice, it tastes like the first slice. I mean, assuming that the pizza's made normally, right? That's like, you're one of those like, pizzas where like, part, is, part has got onions and part has uh, you know, olives and whatever. But like, assuming it's all the same, right? Okay? Now, you might be more into it, might be later, but the actual object of pizza doesn't change, right? So the fact that the joke becomes less funny it tells you that the, the humor in the joke is not really in the joke. The joke is somehow able to bring about the humor. Right? And that has to do some element of throwing you off, being unexpected, but it's not just that, because not everything that's unexpected, you burst out laughing, right? No, so you have, it has to be something that you also can like, connect with on some level in, of comfort. Right, so the, we, uh, we, but my, my, right. Sometimes just saying the obvious that nobody ever says is funny. Right, that's the, the classic opening line. So what's up with airplane food? And then everyone laughs because everyone thinks airplane food is bad, but no one says it. But then this bit is so old that it's not funny anymore. When it first came out, it was very funny because like you just like mentioned the obvious that nobody ever talks about. But Jenny, what if that just it's always What? Funny. She said something and I've been laughing about it for two months. So she just has whatever. She finds something funny even after they I'll laugh about I'll not laugh something like seven times. That's fine. Like, like, like one thing happened. Okay. No, but the humor doesn't go away. Okay, but well, we're not gonna we're not we're not gonna psychoanalyze you. Okay. Okay. It's so funny. It's so long. Okay. 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 So. Now, the, 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 so, in order, for, in order for that pure light to come out, you need two things. Number one, you need something to trigger it, right? Like the joke, as an example, okay? Don't take any analogy, by the way, too seriously, right? Like, like, there's a mistake that you make, like, like they take the analogy, like, oh, and we've got it, just the same thing. It's not, it's a, it's a way of understanding a certain idea. So the joke is really a trigger for breaking through some kind of barrier to the underlying life of your soul that just should reveal itself. It's basically what's happening. So something has to trigger that revelation. And here's the other thing, okay? Um, why do you have to laugh? What? Or why do you have to like? Your chemical reaction. Uh, no, I'm, what I'm asking is like this: Why can't just that 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 positive that, that positive energy? It just can't come out. It's too ethereal, right? It, it has to have some sort of like physical representation, right? Or like the, the the grandfather whose face is beaming, but the face is beaming, right? There's something in the in the complexion of the face and the muscles, right? 
if you want to think of just a different example, right? The fact that I, I can't just beam ideas out of my mind into your mind, right? I have to make mouth noises, right? So in order for that light to come out, I, I said that intentionally, because right? that's what they are, right? Somehow, like I'm using mouth noises, right? So this, this, this kind of pure revelation, right? It's triggered by something, and it needs some, and it needs something to kind of represent it make it tangible. But it's not really defined by what triggered it, and it's not really defined by what represents it, does it? Right? And think about it, right? Like think, think about how good it feels to like really genuinely laugh and then ask yourself, is that have anything to do with like the physical act of laughing? Is that like really what, what it's about? No. And is it about like the actual structure of the joke? Like, no. It's there's something that triggers it. There's something that physically represents it. It makes it, gives it some kind of tangibility. But at the end of the day, it, it kind of remains aloof from all of that. It kind of remains transcended from it. It remains detached from all of that. Does that also come to like a person crying? Yes. Right. Crying is also like that, okay? Um, okay? Fainting, also. Right? Right. There's lots of there's lots of things, but you're getting there's these things where just like the kind of like the pure intensity of the soul is kind of triggered somehow, right? And there's some kind of physical manifestation you can kind of identify, you can kind of sense it through, but but it really isn't that. It's not like when a person comes alive through kindness, you start to think that they're a kind person, really feel like that defines them, that characterizes them. That's not what happens. You see what I'm saying? Okay. So the key thing about a garment versus a vessel is like this. Okay. We have unity. Actually, draw it like this. Okay. We have vessels. We have garments. We have unity. more united? The vessels, the light with the vessels, light with the garments. Let's think about this. What's more united? What's more becomes a cohesive thing? Kindness and my vitality, my life. Like when I do kindness and I come alive, or ideas and you come alive, any of those things, are those more united with each other? Or something like the physical act of laughing and how good it feels when you're laughing? Which, which where is where is there more unity in the sense of unity that it becomes one thing? The second. I would say it's in the first, and I'll explain to you why. I'll explain to you why. At the end of the day, um, if you say you know you know what's wrong with that person, they don't really have a sense of humor. What do you mean? I mean they never go. 
Like they never do that behavior, that's what bothers you about them? What does it bother you about them? Say they have never a sense of humor. Some people, they don't have a sense of humor. What is it that like you're saying is lacking? They don't do the physical act of laughing? Right, that, that coming out doesn't happen, right? Who cares about, like, if, if it came out in some other behavior, like, I wouldn't care. It doesn't matter. What matters is that energy, right? And then you say that person, they're not a kind person. What I mean is, like, they never come alive when they do an act of kindness. That's what I mean. Like, like the kindness actually is an important, right? So, right, when we're starting to think of, like, what really makes me different than you, it's like, maybe I'm more intellectual. Not smarter, intellectual is different, right? Maybe you're kinder. And what that would mean is that like when you do kindness, you come alive. When I do kindness, I don't come alive. When I talk about ideas, I come alive. When you talk about ideas, you don't come alive. For argument's sake. And so the the vessels are much more united in part of the sense of the person. Whereas the garment, like the joke or like the other things, or the thing that it's there's just there's it's not really part of it. Like a person who never laughs at anything, never cries at everything, right? You just get a sense like there's something fundamentally missing. It's not that you care about the act of shedding tears or you care about the act of like, however you would physically describe what laughing is, right? That doesn't matter. It's the energy, the, 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 that living energy that comes through. You see what I'm saying? Right? So a person, a person who never laughs at anything, never cries at anything, right? You just kind of get a sense like on some level they're just not a person, right? But a person who never comes alive when they're kind, you're like they're a person, they're just more, maybe a cerebral person, maybe they're a more judgmental person, right? So the vessel is much more united with your sense of the person than the garment is, right? right? And that goes back to like you physically say garment something you can take on and take off. Your body is very difficult to change. Your body's more united with you. So the vessels are more united. And you said the vessels are united but the garments aren't really united. But, and this is the cool thing here, the sense of the person, does it have a purity when it comes to the vessels? Like when you, when you, when you, when you see a person who comes alive through, through, through teaching, or through learning, or through being kind, are you getting a sense of the pure underlying depth of the person? Or is it more limited? limited. It's more limited. Right, you only see it through a very specific lens, right? Whereas when you get it through the garment, right, like, like the laughter or the crying, you're like, wow, there's the raw person coming through. Right, you hear the difference? Yeah. Okay. So when it comes to the purity of the soul, the purity of that light, it's the garment is somehow able to, right, that when a person is doubling over laughing, you like completely don't even notice the physicality of it at all. All you just feel is like there's this, there's this, beautiful energy that comes out of the person, right? Or the same thing if a person's crying, depending on if they're tears of joy or tears of sadness, right? Like the actual physicality of it doesn't matter. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So now, if we talk about God's light, if God's light is coming to us through a vessel, then God starts to have a kind of personality to us. We think we, oh, God is like this, and God is like that, and you know, and in that sense, the God that I know might be kind of different than the God that you know, assuming we could see the light, right? Maybe the God that I know is more judgmental, right? Meaning his stronger sense of, of values, right? He's more rejects the idea of chaos that we spoke about yesterday. Maybe the God that you know is more loving and more kind. Okay, fine. And it's not that we know different gods, it's just that we're seeing difference him through different vessels, right? Like the Rabbi Kaufman that you know and the Rabbi Kaufman my wife knows is not the same. Okay. So I have a question. Are we seeing 
No, no, we're gonna get to, we're gonna get to that soon. Maybe not today. Probably tomorrow. We'll see how time goes, right? But then, if his light comes in a garment, then what are you? Then what are you getting? That's gonna be the same for everyone. That's gonna be the same for the whole, You're getting the totality of the God for who He is, and all of His being is just being revealed as is. It's pure. Okay. Now, imagine for a second you had a Martian. They don't know anything about human beings, and they saw somebody laughing. They were just like, "It'd be strange." Like, like, what is that about, right? Or, or they're crying. Like, why are you leaking? <laughs> What? I don't know. I couldn't think emotional about it. Like, if you had, if you had, if you were zero awareness of the subjective human experience. I don't know. You can't think about it because you're already in it. What if they cry too? By Martian, I mean a being who has nothing in common with our subjective experience. So all they are working off of is the physicality. So like, now, they can definitely say, oh, like, look, this person did an act. They gave money to a person, this person. Like, didn't give the money to a person, right? This person was able to solve a multivariable equation. Like, you can, you can tell that, right? But, like, when you get to the crying and the laughing, it's, like, very hard to feel, like, what that, what that is, right? And this is the thing, is that the garment, because the, the garment is lacking in unity, if you don't see through the garment, it can obscure Right, just in the weird little thought experiment. Like, if you don't know anything what laughter is at all, and you see someone laughing, right? You just think that like something's wrong with them. Like, I don't know, maybe they're like having some sort of like a kind of like a malfunction in their heart or something. I don't know. Like, they can't breathe, right? Or why are their eyes leaking, right? But if but if you do if you do sense that light, even just a tiny bit, you completely see past the garment. It doesn't matter. That make sense? But you can't just have like the raw energy of crying just come out with no manifestation to it. Right? Or the raw energy of, of laughter with no actual manifestation. That wouldn't, wouldn't be there. Right. right? So the vessels and garments, what they both have in common is they make the light tangible. They give it, a, they, give it a, they make it that there's some kind of presence there. But they do it in very different ways. What the vessels do is they color the light. They shape the light. And in that sense, they make the light more individual, but also more limiting. And so God becomes more relatable through the vessels, but more individual, but also that obstructs us from having a sense. Whereas the garments, the garments don't have that. The problem is that God, therefore, still, it's, it's transcendent. It's like trying to, like, laughter, humor, crying, these are, these, are, these are too deep, these are too raw to, like, put down just, like, personality traits. You see what I'm saying? Okay. So now, when we do a mitzvah, are we providing God with vessels or garments? Well, we're pro providing God with vessels, right? So, let us read in the Tanya, because we do have to do some reading in the Tanya. Okay? We're going to go back. We're at the top of the page, the right-hand column, the fourth line... The fulfillment. You see it? Mm -hmm. The fulfillment of the 248 commandments, which are the 248 organs, or I like for the translation, the limbs of the king. Oh. Now, 248 limbs. 
Which, which other? Yeah. Now, now, what, what, think about this, right? Uh, yeah. Is is the way you are able is the is the the role your right hand plays different than your left hand? Yes. yes. For instance, if you're right-handed and you want to take out money, what you do is like this: you take your wallet out of your pocket. It's very important. This is a deep Kabbalistic metaphor. You take your wallet out. Of, I'm not kidding. Take your wallet out of your pocket. How do you get the money out? You transfer the wallet to your left hand. Well, I don't realize you do this, but if you're right-handed, that's what you do. At which point, you then take out the money that you want to give to someone else out of the wallet, keeping the money that you want to keep for yourself in which hand? So left hand is what you hold for yourself, and the right hand is what you give. Hence, the right hand is chesed, and the left hand is kvura. Yeah? No, then you hold it in your right hand. Well, no, I mean... Then is your, your left hand Th- Then it's interesting. The language that you find in Torah is that a, a, a left-handed person, they, it's called their left and their right. So they would say mm-hmm. their right, which is the left of the whole world. It's really more in terms of like the dominant. Right. Yeah. And, and, and according, to, according to Torah, being left-handed is considered a, a spiritual defect, mm-hmm. which is not relevant unless you are a Kohen who wants to work no in the Mesa Middash. Yes, a left-handed person, because what that means is that the Chesed Gevur has gotten all mixed up. Which is fine for everyone else, but a Kohen in the base of English is a problem. So a left-handed Kohen cannot serve in the base of English. Yeah. Okay. Is he a, is he a Kohen? I'm a lefty. You're, you're a woman, doesn't matter. My brother-in-law is a Kohen, and he's left-handed. It means that when Mashiach comes, God will heal all the uh, all the defects in people, and he'll be fine. But so, <laughs> 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 my mom said she should have trained me to be right-handed. I'm not talking about in terms of like the social environment. I'm talking about what it means spiritually. No, I'm saying like, what do you mean? Like that the disease that he's lucky? It means that the it means the idea of Chesed and Gavur as it's embodied in him are somehow spiritually misaligned. It has no. That's what the Torah says. That's why left-handed Kohen can't serve in the base of English. It has nothing to do with real life. Like, that we do. Okay. It's real, but not the world that we live in. Okay. Now. Okay. So now. We have right hands, left hands, right? They're all different. What does that sound more like? Vessels or garments? Sounds like vessels. Yeah. Right? So it sounded like the mitzvahs were vessels, right? Wait, 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 wait. Okay. Now these three garments, now back to the paragraph that we were in. These three garments driving from the Torah and its commandments, although they are garments of the Nefesh, Ruch, and Neshama, their quality is simply greater than the Nefesh, Ruch, and themselves because the Torah and the Holy One, Blessed Be, are one. Now, if they're one, right? No, because then but now you have to be, think about this, right? The vessels, there's more unity between the light and the... Okay, so it's the atom thing here, which is... Which I probably misspelled. If the vessels are more united with the light, then what, and there's different kinds of vessels, then what happens to the light? It becomes... And have their different vessels. There's a right hand, there's a left hand, there's chesed, there's kavur, there's kindness, there's ideas, there's values. So how many kinds of lights are there? So there's multiplicity. But if 
the light doesn't unite with the garments. Different kinds of garments, you all have the same light. Light stays pure, so then light stays just the light. Just the light. So there's no multiplicity. So where is the light really one? And this in is the garment. in the garment. So when we say that the Torah and Hashem are one. So now are mitzvahs vessels, garments, or they have elements of both? Elements of both. There is an aspect of a mitzvah where every mitzvah reveals Hashem in a different way. In that sense, the mitzvah is a? But there is also an element of the mitzvah where all the mitzvahs just give Hashem a manifestation for who he truly is, in which case all the mitzvahs are, and in which case they're all the same. Now, when we think of the mitzvahs as vessels, they're going to be higher than the soul or lower than the soul. We're gonna talk about this more tomorrow, but we're gonna say they're gonna be lower than the soul. I'll explain to you why tomorrow. But when we think of them as garments, not just garments of the soul, but garments of God, then they're higher. And so we're gonna elaborate on this, right? So there's gonna be an element of the mitzvah. So just think about this, right? Is the same thing happen when you light a Shabbos candle as we make a bracha? Well, according to this, yes. On one level, yes. And on the level, we'll know. No. And we need to understand that. Oh, both That's right. Okay. When we think of the fact that there are 248 mitzvahs that are the 248 limbs of Hashem, well, each limb is different. Each limb has a function, right? Remember we spoke about the idea of organs way back in the beginning? I wasn't kidding around when we spent all that time on that. There are different ways Hashem can be revealed. But those, if there are different ways, that's vessels. Each vessel is united with the light, but now the purity of the light is lost, and there's multiplicity in like different kinds of revelations of God. But if it's garment, the garment doesn't unite with the revelation at all. It just facilitates it. So the light stays pure. There's no multiplicity. In that sense, we can say that the Torah and mitzvahs and Hashem are one and the same. Okay. And so now we're going to understand what does that mean? How do both these things work together? And then once that's all clear, then we're going to go back and talk about where we put that, the soul in relation to the mitzvahs. All right. Can I erase this one? Or Thank no? you. Yeah, if I need it, I would say. Oh, what? I said if I need it, I would say.